This is the 86th episode of You'll Die Trying, a podcast. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. We're glad you're here. Today, the psychology of sales. Dun, dun, dun. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good. Belly full of coffee. You're here. We didn't see each other this weekend. It was weird. Yeah, it has been weird. I haven't seen you in a long time. <laughs> Two days. <laughs> three. Was it three? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see you Friday. Oh, that's your fault. Right? But you're the one who kind of comes out on the bad end of that deal. Absolutely. But you got to hang out with Brent. Yeah, it was awesome. You all know Brent. You know, producer, friend, jingle man. I have a story to tell, and it involves Brent. Does it? Yes, I love stories. Hey, Brent. This is a special shout-out to one of our listeners whom I encountered in one of our grocery stores. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I recognized her because I follow her on Facebook. She's a realtor here in town. And she was like, I was literally just singing. And then she sang, you'll die, you'll die. She sang it. She was singing it as she was grocery shopping. No way. She was singing the You'll Die Trying podcast jingle. That's awesome. Special shout out to Denise. Cool. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Denise, for Fantastic. singing along. And thank you, Brent, for making an ear bug worm. Yeah, worm bug. Snake, spider. The psychology of sales. Nathan, what do you know about uh, psychology of sales and salespersonship? Yep. Like what I did there because mm-hmm. I'm gender neutral and inclusive. Yep. yep. What do you know about it? Well, I know that people buy things from people they like. I know that for a fact. Right on. 100%. So businesses are what generate wealth right? Businesses are what create lifestyles for people. Businesses are what bring people income. Whether it is a fire department, which believe me is a business, or a church, which believe me is a business, or any other entity, institution, organization, educational uh, spot, all of it is business. And business is what creates people lifestyle. And what in business or who within businesses are the driving force of that? The people. The salespeople. Mm-hmm. You have to have everybody. You got to have the support. You got to have the inside stuff. You got to have the leadership. But you have to have sales. Without sales, nothing. Right? Right. So what would you say, considering that you are someone who is in sales, heavily involved in sales, would you say that you know your purpose as a salesperson? I'm going to answer honestly and say no. I don't, I don't think I know my my purpose as a salesperson yeah. is... Let me dissect this real quick. I think that maybe my purpose as the sales as the salesperson is to building the value. Maybe I'm okay. educated in my service and value offering, building value in ceremony, or from the standpoint of the business, whenever I'm going out to potential sellers of their business to so I can acquire, it's it's selling myself and right and letting them know that no one will continue their legacy better than me. So maybe I'm talking myself into realizing maybe that's my place. Okay. Which is what? How would you say it? My role as a salesperson would be... <laughs> you said to 
build, sell myself, build value, create value, create value, be relatable. I heard that you're you're, you're answering. You're you mean, helping you me build, heavily. Yeah, <laughs> you can well, add, add on let's to hope that. That at the end of this podcast, yes, all of us will be that's, better. That's good. Equipped to know ourselves yeah. because I think that's uh, principle and primary point is do we know who we are as people who bring this service. Because it's one thing to know the service. It's one thing to know, you know, what what is the the craft, what is the thing, what is the service that we're that we're offering. Do you ever think so hard that your eyes kind of start to hurt? That was that moment for me. You have ocular migraine coming on? Not bad. Just there's like intense heavy pressure. Yeah. Let's 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 relax it a little bit. Okay. Just do a little kind of rotating of the neck. From left down to the right and back again, not going back. Yeah, oh, there you go. Back and forth, nice and slow. Breathing in through the nose, nice and gentle, as if through a beverage straw. And out through the mouth, very slowly, holding in between. Imagine yourself sinking into your chair, your feet into... <laughs> okay, Nathan's gone. <laughs> I really was <laughs> rotating my neck, and I am actually more relaxed. Thank you. Good. Okay, one thing is important, I think, in, re- in recognizing, first of all, you have to know who you are. You have to know your purpose. Secondly, you have to understand, I think, that people decide what they want based on feelings, not on facts. People buy feelings. They don't buy services. They don't buy things. They don't buy stuff. They buy feelings. They justify having bought the thing with the facts. So a man could be watching a truck commercial and the truck commercial is telling him why he has to have that truck. He wants that truck because he likes how it feels to think about having that truck. He will then consider MSRP, payload and towing capacity, and whether it has a panoramic sunroof, and he will use those facts to justify how he feels about buying it. But he hasn't bought it based on the facts. He's bought it based on the feeling. Interesting really important that you're able to create that kind of emotional appeal genuinely not we're in no case are we ever talking about being manipulative right. or coercive a genuine creation of an emotional experience with whatever you're providing also we have to remember that people are egocentric not meaning that they're you know selfish and godless but we are all asking the question, what is in this for me? Where is their value for me? Talk a little bit about what you mean when you talk about value in ceremony. I believe that everyone is worthy to be loved and cared for. I think everyone's deserving to be celebrated, whether it's elaborate, you know, a really expensive casket and flowers all out throughout the chapel, or if it's something simplistic and you request for de- cremation and, and you know, you're earned to be displayed on your mantle forever because there's no place uh, that you will want to be buried per se. Uh, I, I think that the story that is our lives are, you know, worthy to be acknowledged because, you know, to have made it through life, they deserve this. That's me clapping, you know, to have, to have done what, you know, you hope to have leave, left, I do, a large mark. So that's what I'm, I mean whenever I sit with a family or any of our directors is like, you know, build value in the fact that they're worthy. They're worthy to be honored and celebrated, whether it's, again, minimal or, or extravagant. So that's, that's my thought and that's my belief in the value, building the value. And I believe, excuse me, that you can demonstrate a value that is greater than the price of goods. 
Absolutely. And I think a lot of people do tend to look for two things, price and peace. And when you can demonstrate value greater than or at least equal to what the cost of goods is, then you have someone who will who will absolutely do business with you. Right. They have, But they have to have that value. But in order to know what someone values, you have to know that person. You can talk about a value in your industry. I can talk about a value in mine. But unless I understand what my client or, in, or, or customer in, in your case, whoever you might be, you have to know who they are and what they mean by value. For some, value isn't about cost. It's about an experience. Maybe, again, it's about an emotional feeling or a set of feelings. If I'm trying to communicate that this uh, small business could benefit from my coming in and doing a consulting service for them, and the owner of that company doesn't think that there's any need for that, I, I can't create that need for them. I have to demonstrate that there is already that need and then offer it to them. It's like the, the, the creator of Nike basically generated a need by giving a solution to it. He created a comfortable running shoe based on a technology that hadn't ex- existed before and then sold the idea that we needed that. And I think he did a pretty good job of it, right? So just because we're being sold an idea doesn't mean that it's wrong or not true. It just means something that we hadn't thought of. Somebody might come to me and say, hey, your website needs more video content. I'll help you do that. I may or may not see value in that. But if they can demonstrate to me with analytics, testimonials, and a showy display or demonstration, the chances of my recognizing that need already existed is huge. And we'll get back to need here in a second. But I think it's just really important that you know what people value. What I value and what they value could be different. I think sales is, is finding the bridge that connects the two. And then, of course, going beyond it. But as you know, you cannot motivate someone who isn't open to being motivated. You can't convince someone whose mind isn't readily available to be convinced. People do what they want. So you have to show how your offering meets their needs. I'm sure that's something you do regularly too. If you want cremation, absolutely. We are very proud of our heavily trained, highly skilled, and certified crematory staff. And we actually have a dedicated team of crematory operators and who adhere to every point of care, 15 points of care. We have a dignified or reverent scan process. So that's a peace of mind for your loved one, right? So let's let's talk a little bit about the peace of mind aspect. Let's talk then also about how uh, the ceremony is going to happen and how our directors are the most um, thought out directors and it's not cookie cutter for us is their favorite uh candy butterscotch at the memorial would you like to have bowls of butterscotch candies right lying around uh their dog absolutely bring their dog would you mm-hmm. like their dog to come and be present as well that's awesome just things like that yeah. so you're building value you're sharing you know all oh, their favorite color is yellow what about the sunflowers what about huge sunflowers throughout the entire chapel and just so people know, there isn't an extra cost for butterscotch or having the dog at the service. No. This is value that goes beyond price. This isn't about price. No. It's about an experience. Creating the experience is absolutely critical. That's right. Absolutely critical. Yeah. Good. That's good stuff. Um, how, do, how are you, as a consumer, affected by um, advertising? <laughs> well, uh, you put a TV commercial on, I'm done. 
especially you know like the the bent the 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 curved TV. God, mm-hmm. I want one so bad. Like after this podcast, I might buy one. <laughs> <laughs> like there was the the huge TV they were promoting it during the Super Bowl, right before the Super Bowl. I was like, I've got to have that to watch the Super Bowl on. <laughs> right. Let's be very honest. The 2018 2019 season, I watched maybe four games. So sure, sure. I didn't buy it. Uh, car commercials, yeah. Like, yeah. The other day there was a Jaguar commercial. I've never been a Jaguar fan, but I was like, I've got to have it. I don't own a Jaguar. I did not give in. Yeah. Other than that, I, you know, the the dancing Old Navy commercials and stuff like that, they don't really get me to go and buy jeans or anything. <laughs> well, I am um, a sucker for advertising. I just am. Joy makes fun of me for it. She's absolutely right. Uh, there's a book by uh, Robert Cialdini who uh, he he writes a book called um, Persuasion. Persuasion. So yeah. you're persuaded before you're persuaded. You are persuaded before you even know what the offer is coming to you. Oh wow! And so in this book, uh, you know he. Well, I'll give you an example. Did you know that I'm a palm reader, for instance? Did you? I don't know. If we've ever talked to the fact that I'm a palm reader. Um, you're going somewhere with this. No, no, no. Like th- this is an example of oh. of how it works, but in my palm reading work, which I don't spread. Like, let me see your, Nathan's handing out his left palm. Okay. You can see this lifeline right here. It says that you were an incredibly stubborn person. You remember a time when you've been stubborn? Yes. Would you say that you're a stubborn person, generally yes. speaking? Right. But I notice here, this line crosses it and lets me know that you are an incredibly flexible person. You remember times you were flexible where you were kind of, oh, that's interesting. And maybe you had a change of mind. Yes. So you were, agree that you're both stubborn and flexible. So persuasion <laughs> is the ability to come to you with an idea before you have had a chance to formulate an opinion about it and give you something to kind of hold on to. So this is what palm readers do. By the way, no, I'm not a palm reader <laughs> at all, but this is what they do. I'm not saying that there's not <clears throat> legitimacy uh, to this, to the art of it, or even the science of it. But I'm telling you that this is about <laughs> persuasion. For instance, there was a study done where like 87% of salespersons got a yes to their offer when they did one thing, and they all did the same thing. They asked something before they made the offer. You know, in paper, rock, scissors, if you ask a question right before you launch, there's a heavy percentage chance that your opponent is going to throw a scissors. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So if you can ask something, one salesman walked in and, and was was making the pitch and said, wait a minute, before I go farther, I forgot something in a car. Do you mind giving me the key? I'll just go out and let myself back in. And the guy gave him the key to his business because they were locked in. It was a post-hours meeting. He went out to the car, let himself back in. Now he has trust. He gave him a key to his business, literally. Right, so it's these kind of subconscious, subliminal texts going on in these conversations, not designed to kind of play tricks on you, but designed to relate to you in a way more powerfully than most other people do. This book, Persuasion, lays out what he calls the six principles uh, of of persuasion or persuasion in both cases. One of them is commitment and consistency, and this is key for us. We've talked about it right. relative to podcasting, even. 
that you have to keep creating content and you have to do it consistently. Also, you want to begin with small requests before building up to the pitch. We could talk about these forever, but if you're interested, you should read the book. Another one is authority, and this is really important. I think this is huge in both of our industries in terms of the professional services that I offer and the professional services that you offer. You have to demonstrate expertise and trustworthiness. You gain respect because you based on your experience and expertise, you know what's best, right? So that's why when you go to a car dealership or a mechanic or Best Buy and talk about TVs, you're wanting to talk to someone who can tell you with authority about that thing. There's nothing worse than going somewhere and you're asking a question about a product and the person's like, oh, God, you know, I don't I don't actually know, to be honest. And it's like, oh, how sweet. You actually told me you don't know. You didn't lie to me. No, that's not cool. Don't lie to me and don't know. You should know, right? <laughs> I'm here because I could do my own research these days online. I'm here wanting that human interaction, not because I'm trying to bargain down the price, because I want to know what's best for me. So I want to tell you what's best, then you want to tell me what's best for me, and all of a sudden I might be looking at a TV that's more expensive and larger than the one mm-hmm. before. So you want to demonstrate that you are, in fact, an authority as a salesperson. Also, there's this concept of reciprocity where you provide some recognition to thank people for their interest, whether that's giving them something away, maybe it's giving them a little bit of swag, uh, maybe it's a handwritten note afterwards, some something reciprocal that you gave me your time and your energy and your attention, I'm going to give you something back. That generates an idea that we are now in the process of giving things to one another. So it's now it's your turn to kind of give me a yes and it's my turn to give you the service that I'm offering. So you kind of create that cycle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Another one that I love is called liking. You were talking about car commercials before. Over the weekend, we had some family in, and we were talking poolside about um, celebrities and and you know people who who have endorsements. And we were talking about the Lincoln commercial that features Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. whom I really don't have a particularly affinity for. Right. I don't think that he's the overall handsome person that everyone talks about. I kind of find him a little bit schmarmy. Incredible actor, but a little schmarmy. But he gets in the Lincoln and he drives off and he really doesn't say anything about it. That's the concept called liking, where because you like Matthew McConaughey, you like what Matthew McConaughey likes. And so he doesn't have to talk about it. He just gets in the car. He has his jazz on. He's going to play billiards with friends. And then he drives home on a mountain ridge road in the night sky with the city lights below. I like him. I like that. I like that car. I think I would like having that car. That's the whole idea behind liking that you are connecting with someone that you like. So you, that, to, to your point earlier, you want to be someone that they like. Hmm. You want to be likable. As a salesperson, you want the people to like you. There are some other concepts uh, in that book when those six principles that are important, but one of them I think that's most important is, and I want you to speak to this, that people have a fear of loss that's greater than their desire for gain. Have you heard of FOMO, which is opposite of MOFO? It's FOMO, so it's completely clean. Fear of missing out. Yeah, People have a fear of losing something more than they have a fear of gaining something. So you want to focus on what your clients are missing out on rather than on what they'll get. Saving, saving, savings. So how, how do you do that in your world of sales? 
Let's, let's say you're selling a monument. How do you do that? Oh, no one is going to create. We talk about the experience out, out out the gate with selling a monument. I mean, literally draw it on a napkin. What do you want it to look like? Do you is your loved one's memorial cookie cutter? I don't think so. Do you want it to be in the shape of a butterfly? Do you want it to be in the shape of a paper airplane because they were architectural or you know whatever? Like start with the napkin and then we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Like that's don't don't miss out on creating a very lasting hundreds of years from now when you are walking through the cemetery or your your ancestors at this point and they are stuck on yours because it's the most incredible thing they've ever seen before and that tells the story in itself so you're fearing missing out on a legacy of sorts yeah absolutely there's a there's a a cemetery that has it's in Kentucky and the little boy is the wheelchair is tilted sideways this is a monument the little boy's monument wheelchair bound little guy the wheelchair is tilted sideways. He is rising, I have goosebumps, rising out of it, reaching up. Wow. So a wheelchair-bound boy who had passed away is no longer bound by this wheelchair. That's beautiful. That tells That's the story. so many stories. You need no words for that. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. Don't miss out on that. Which is opposite um, a pair of gravestones here in Davis County where there is a military issue surface mounted plate indicating that someone had been a part of a uh, of the military and uh, he died in August of 1984 next to that is an upright granite memorial monument uh, with a birth date but no death date and the birth date is i believe 1919 so we're talking about a 100 year old person at the bottom it says my daughters, and it says the names of the three daughters, my daughters. And on the back, you remember the, the husband of this person was, was uh, w- deceased in August of 1984. On the back of the upright monument of the, of the wife, the surviving wife, says, I've had a wonderful life since August 1984. Oh. It's here in town. I have to take you out and show it to you. So um, uh, the jury's out on whether they were like the ultimate practical joking couple or whether one of them was really unkind. But mm. that just goes to show, you know, I don't. somebody made that request. I doubt that was someone saying, hey, I've got this interesting idea to sell you for extra <laughs> engraving on the back. Uh, but again, uh, it just speaks to how important it is that you are able to give people what they want. It may not be what you want but that's part of knowing them and letting their story be told. The wheelchair story, gorgeous, needs no other you know, words to kind of justify or qualify that. This other one feels a little like, Ugh. in both cases, that was a, a consumer saying, this is how I want my story told. And the job is to tell the story as best you can. Don't miss out on telling your story the way in which you want to. Very interesting, isn't it? So what do you think about um, the role that empathy and listening play? Crucial. I feel like those are kind of the major watchwords of sales. They are. You have to know your people, uh, know who you're presenting to. Listen yeah. to, to, don't just give your pitch. Don't just talk about, you know, people choose something because of people. They choose something because they like you. They choose something because you... Uh, Allow them to talk about themselves. Yeah. That's 
I'll never forget this guy that I know, really nice guy. His name is Dotit, Dotit Sutarjo. And he made me realize that listening is crucial. He is so great. He's a great conversationalist. And when I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, he would mimic, you know, your your facial expressions and very in tune. And uh, when people left, they'd be like, man, that was the nicest guy ever. And they, he didn't say a single word, mm. not a single word. Just listen. It says so much, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Empathy as a reminder is not feeling what other people feel, but understanding what people feel and accepting that they feel that without feeling the need to judge or evaluate. Like being in it with them, not in it in the sense of like, oh, I feel bad too. It's like, I'm here where you are. It's more, it's less I'm here where you are and it's more I recognize that you are where you are. Got it. If you come in and you're kind of down and I'm not, I can recognize you're down. I could ask questions. I can appreciate it. I would certainly accept it. I don't need to change it. But that doesn't mean I'm down too. Just means I I'm aware of and accept that you are. So you're free to be you mm. in my presence, even though I'm different. And I'm free to be me in your presence because you're different. And we're kind of empathizing with one another's particular positions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a really good listener to kind of figure that out, unless you're one of those perceptive, insightful people who who can see or sense that there's something different or off and you may not have to ask anything, but you're, it's still a form of listening. What I think what we're talking about, and I think one of the most important aspects of developing a sales relationship is building rapport, being able to be in relationship with other people. Do you know what people like? People like people who are like themselves or people like people who were like who those people wish they were. So it's important to mirror and match. Uh I don't mean if you're sitting there with your arms on the chair and your fingers are interlocked, then I'm going to do the same. But we are doing that. But I did Did you do that that on purpose? I did a couple of seconds before I started this part. But that's, that's fine. But I mean, really, it's about kind of mirroring the emotion in the room. Not assuming it, but mirroring it. And then joining in it, which is called matching. And this is about so much more than words, right? Because words are only 7% of what you hear. 55% of what you hear from me is physiological. Body position, facial expression, arms, legs crossing. I can develop a lot of rapport with you not saying a word, just mirroring your body position. Then when I do speak words, having listened and having shown empathy, we're going to connect in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. So now there's trust and there's relationship. That's the power of rapport. 38%, by the way, 7% words, 55% physiology, 38% tone of voice and inflection. So You can see the words that we use are a minority, huge minority in terms of how we actually communicate. I think it's powerful for people to be good with words, but I think it's far more powerful to be good in mirroring and matching emotional states and being able to connect physiologically and in the way that we speak. It's all about context for me. Building rapport is is huge. I done thought that report stuff was good too. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, all of this is based on, have you ever heard of Maslow's, uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs where... Um, from a psychological perspective and a human nature perspective, there is this kind of ladder 
approach to what our needs are from the most base, which are physiological. We need food. uh, We need water. We need sleep. We need shelter. But then there is this need for safety. We need security and stability and freedom from fear. And then above that, we need a sense of belongingness and love. So intimate relationships and friends. And above that is esteem. We need a sense of feeling accomplished. We need a sense of prestige, feeling good about ourselves. And finally, we have that realm of self-actualization, which is where we realize our fullest potential. As a salesperson, you're coming in at that second level. You're not offering them a house, sleep, water, or food, but you are offering them a sense of security and stability and safety and freedom from fear. So that what you want to do as you are as you are making your pitch, as you're making your offer, is to find out what need, what basic human need is what you're offering purporting to meet. Thank you for that. I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan. This is You'll Die Trying. <laughs>